Hello, folks. I'm Michael Turton, and this is Donovan Smith. And we are here again for another edition of Current Affairs Taiwan. Welcome back. Last stuff we've got to talk about today, the KMT chairmanship election, which will certainly happen, apparently. Ho Yoe has made an appearance at a hand rally. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of other stuff, the KMT party list, <laughs> uh, Hong Kong, and yeah, the spy thing. Breaking news as we started recording. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm sure you've all heard about the spy story, the guy who turned him into Australian, who turned himself into Australian intelligence, mm-hmm. and he named a, an official in Hong Kong as the head of the spy operations there of China. And that guy just happened to be in Taiwan now, and as he was leaving the airport tonight, he was picked up by Taiwanese officials. So that's breaking. We just got that Yeah, we just got that. Right. Now, we got it via Twitter, so, <laughs> yeah. so, so you know, uh, it has to be true. <laughs> was it on the Internet? It, it was on the true. Internet. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so it's true. Okay. So, all right, so we lost some stuff from, because we lost our last show. It was actually a really good show. It was really funny. It was, I thought, I thought one of our best. But anyway, so we got lots to cover. So why don't we, why don't we get started? What, where okay, do we want to so start? Okay, so I came in there, walked in the door, and you mm-hmm. said, hey, check this out. Han, at a hand rally, Hoyo E of uh, the mayor of New Taipei City mm-hmm. showed up. Yeah, so, okay, here's the context. Hoyo E came out and has been basically, now they campaigned together with Taichung Mayor Lu Xiuyan during the last election. The three of them were kind of like the three musketeers. They were in all the advertising outside of Taipei and Jinmen, all over the place. And they kind of really, locked, along with Wang Jinping, and they kind of locked down the election, sidelined Wu Duanyi. He was stuck up in Taipei with Ding Shouzhong, who lost in Taipei. So now those three were were tight, campaigning together, uh, you know, so great. Now, Han starts running for president, and guess what? Ho Yui is openly, basically disgusted with him, <laughs> saying <laughs> things like, you know, he, he's been asked to be the, the campaign chair for New Taipei City, which he's the mayor of. And he's like, I'm too busy being the newly elected mayor, <laughs> uh, being very, very obviously insulting toward uh, Hang Guoyu, the newly elected mayor of Kaohsiung. Essentially, he's been getting very, been kind of slapping him around, and the party's been trying to bring Ho Yui under control and get him to help campaign because he's probably the most powerful and popular figure nationally right now, Ho Yui, uh, new Taipei mayor Ho Yui. So he finally shows up at a campaign rally for Han Guoyu, but he shows up like an hour earlier. They don't share a stage. He clearly doesn't want to be seen visibly campaigning with him. He's doing everything he can to get out of it. Now, you had an interesting point, too. Well, yeah, he shows up early. He's on the stage by himself, and I started to wonder, well, maybe he's testing, you know, how does it feel to stand here? Can I really do this? Will the crowd respond to me? Will these people follow me? Mm-hmm. You have to remember that unlike Han, Ho, Ho Yoi is Taiwanese. Yeah. And he's a former head of the national police. Mm-hmm. And he's hugely popular. He's competent. He's not been marred by any scandals, corruption one. or otherwise. Uh, I can think of possibly two. Possibly two. Yeah. One, he was part of the team that was raiding a Nylon Dung. Oh, Nylon Dung. So that's, yeah. And then when I was he thinking of more recent. Self, oh, yeah, yeah. N- nothing recent. In the 90s, he was in charge of the Chen Jingxing oh, hostage with the South. Yeah, he was the cop in charge. 
And he, and then the press got a hold of the phone number. This is when the South African military attache, what was then the South African embassy that was about to leave, was kidnapped by this criminal and the cop in charge of trying to negotiate. Now, he was successful at the end of the day, more or less. There were some shootings, but nobody died. Uh, so he was successful in the end, but there were, it wasn't flawless. But other than that, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. But the DPP basically nixed all that when they asked him to run for them. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing is what's interesting is the, all the people who don't want to appear on stage with him right, right. now. Yeah. Eric Chu has been kind of tepidly sometimes joining him, sometimes not. In uh, Taichung, Han was campaigning at a whole bunch of events. And as one head, as one headline put it, Lu Xiuyan didn't even show him her headlights or taillights <laughs> because she would show up again at the rallies, but not at the same time. So they wouldn't be on stage? They only showed up together on stage once at all the events, together. Wow. So she's kind of doing the same thing, but she at least showed up, at least did one appearance with him. Meanwhile, in Zhanghua, where Han Guoyu is also going, Wu Duni, same thing. He showed up at the rallies, but didn't show up at the same time. Wow. Yeah. So every, nobody wants to be splashed with the mud of Han's apparently upcoming loss. Except for uh, Johnny Chang, Chang yeah. Chi-chan, the legislator here. Well, he's kind of too junior to blow it off right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. He's got to get some weight. So do we want to go into Wu Duni here, or where, where do you want to we go We should talk about this, because it looks like Han's going to lose. If the polls stay consistent, <laughs> there's there's nothing out there that would make me think he's going to turn around a, no. a 10 to 20 point deficit. So, assuming he loses, uh, already last week, Xie Longjie, uh, Xie Longjie down in Tainan, a KMT legislator, said he wasn't going to run for elect re-election. He was going to throw his hat into the ring for the KMT chairmanship position. He's actually only a city councilor. Oh, I'm sorry. My, but he's on the he's on the party list at number 15, one place after Udoni himself. Udoni himself. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, he threw his hat into the ring last week, which is basically a signal saying the vultures were starting to circle. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, this week, uh, there was stuff out in the newspapers. Who are the leading candidates? Yeah, well, the news – okay, this is speculation in the newspapers and I saw on TV shows as well, both. And they use the same number, five potential candidates. Now, in theory, Wu Duni is the party chairman. He, his term will end, and I believe it's May of 2021. Right. However – they're going to get killed in the presidential election, and it's not looking good for them on the legislative election. No. My, my own, uh, um, you know, my own estimates keep dropping because they took another beating with the party list. Yes. But we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. So essentially, Wuduni, the tradition is is that you step down after a major loss. So the pressure is going to be on. For him to do so. Now, the difference between most elections and this one is the knives are already starting to come out and the election isn't even done yet. No, that's how bad his chairmanship has been. And so the big candidates that I, I that we you know, there's a we just take a look at a newspaper report. I saw right. some stuff on the TV. Hong Shouzhou is one yes. possibility. Please, 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 <laughs> please make it Hong Shouzhou. This is the please. ex and potentially future chair. Another previous chair who may become chair again is Eric Chu or Zhu Lilun, who's also – both of those two were also the presidential nominees of the party last election. <laughs> Hong Shuju, the first one, and then she was replaced by Zhu Lilun. 
who was the chairman, and then the ch- uh, he stepped down as chair later, and Hong Shouju took over after him. Right. So <clears throat> we've got Lian Shengwen, Sean Lian, the son of Lian Zhan, the ex-vice president. Sean Lian is a princeling. He, why don't you describe him? He's a princeling. He's, he, well, they tried to give him new Taipei City. Or Taipei, Taipei City. They tried to give him. <laughs> they tried to give him that. <laughs> I and, love the way you put it. <laughs> and he, he couldn't even win an election in the city where, which is a mainlander walk. <laughs> so that was the, he was the one who first lost to Koenja way back two cycles ago. Yeah. So he's got the, his kids were, were Canadian citizens and I guess his wife was too and they had to give that up for him yeah. to, uh, for all the good it did. Him. Yeah, so they parked him inside the party apparatus somewhere, as I recall. Yeah, uh, I, don't I don't know where he is now. Exact position yeah. was. So then there's How Long Bin, the ex Taipei mayor. He's a potential candidate. He's currently a vice chair. Right. Well, that was the other thing. After Ma left, he appointed like six vice chairs. Yeah. So there's a lot of people who might be angling for the chairmanship position. But on the other hand, who would want it in the wake of a loss like this? Now, the other candidates potentially is Han Guoyu himself. <laughs> These are the ones being bandied around. It's hard. Well, now, Hong Shouju became chairman after after they blew that election. So. Yeah. I mean, Hong Shouju, I think, would be terrible. Sean Lin would be terrible for the KMT. Yes, please. Give um, How long been and Han Guoyu would also be terrible. Oh, yes. Now, the other two, How long been and Zhu Liluan or Eric Chu, they're both they're both fairly competent people, I think. They're not. They're not wildly incompetent but they're not the people to revive the party and lead it to a bright new future i i, I just don't see it i nope, don't think either one guys. of them are, are popular enough dynamic enough and eric chu had his chance and he didn't he no, didn't do it no so uh, we were thinking maybe ho yo he if he is, wants to run for president yep. in the next election he's got to start thinking like that yep if it's going to be with the kmt yeah and that's another serious possibility. Yeah. If this election goes that badly, he's Taiwanese, and it's hard if you're Taiwanese and not deeply affiliated with certain mainland factions to become the chair. Yeah. It's not impossible. Udoni did it. Udoni did it. But then again, he was basically so deeply tied in with certain mainlander factions that he was considered, I think, for all intents and purposes, an honorary mainlander, right. really. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they're they're going to use him and discard him after this election. So, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. speaking of using and discarding, how about that KMT party list? Huh? Oh, oh, <laughs> oh! That was brutal. The DPP leaked some list, and they had an Aboriginal at the head, and then they yep. changed that, and it potentially it could have been a public relations disaster. Yep. And their list was very meh, but yep. it was completely buried by this incredibly stupid KMT list. Exactly. Uh, I've never, I, well, we've been saying for years they have to Taiwanese, they have to become Taiwan, Taiwanese, they have yep. to Taiwanize mm-hmm. if they want to continue being a uh, party here, and they just refuse. Once again, we got another list that was almost all male and almost all mainlanders and elderly and very elderly, and one of them, what's his name, Wu Suwei, Wu Su, Wu Suhui, Wu Suhui, that's it, yeah. yes. He was a general who's been on the mainland singing the PRC national anthem with the in front of the president Xi Jinping. Yes, and apparently he gave lectures. Uh, apparently yeah. he had given a, a information. He talked, given a press interview where he tells the PRC how to defeat the U.S. in a war. Yeah. Oh, God. 
Yeah. And so if he comes, he's fourth on the list, which means he's, he'll undoubtedly get in. Yep. And as a legislator, he would have access to classified and privileged information. Yep. Now, he, of course, denies that he is tied in with, with China and all of this. He says very loyal to the Republic of China, and we can really only hope, I mean, if he's going to be in the legislature, which looks almost dead certain. But go ahead. But yeah, there's some other, there were some other ones as well, controversial. But he, yeah, Yulan, who was originally number one, is now number two, who is the police university professor who's come out strongly in defense of the police in Hong Kong, for example. He's number two on the party list, so he's going to be in. Well, but the the, main, the important thing was this list was a huge the, the KMT took a huge hit in popularity because of this list. Mm-hmm. Everyone were criticized by within their party. And Everyone. What did the vice presidential candidate of Hangoyu say, Simon Chang? <laughs> twice now. <laughs> yeah, twice. twice now. So he first okay he first came out. So this is uh, Simon Chang. This is uh, Zhang Shanzhang, the vice presidential nominee from the KMT. Same party. His comment initially on the party list was. Uh, we can't support this, uh, you know. And, and if you don't support it, then go ahead and vote for the PFP or even the TPP, just not the DPP. So then the the party tries to get him to shut up, and he doubles down on Facebook <laughs> and says, "Look, you know, we can't support this. You know, vote your conscience." And he said, "You know, it's not that that we don't appeal to the youth." It's not that our policies are not popular. It's the party list. He's basically blaming their upcoming loss entirely on this party list. So right now there's a lot of scapegoating going on. Yeah. Huh. So. Oh, and by the, by the way, just quickly, Eric Chu came out against it. How long Bin came out against it. A lot of young Basically, people. Basically, everyone came out yeah, against it. It's like the list of major KMT figures who didn't come out against it, I think, would be shorter than those than, than the list That's of people. That's probably true. But it, yeah. it's completely tone deaf list and one that does not look towards the future. Yep. It's very sad. And do we want to go on Wu Duni's comments on it? Oh, God. Well, who defended it? Let's let's just let's just leave it at that. Just just I'm sorry, it's too funny. Okay. At first, he comes out. Party list comes out. It's a it's a disaster. Includes Choi because we talked about this last week. Yeah. And he is now the number one on the new party. Very very pro China. This guy's very very pro China. The new party was the people who left the KMT in the '90s because they weren't pure enough. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so the party list comes out. Udoni comes out and says. I, I don't have to apologize for this. It's basically it's great. A few hours later, he has to back down. They go through the list, and, and only one guy was removed of it who was actually accused of treason, although he was acquitted of it, was <laughs> voted out of the party list. Now, Wu Duni just came out and started with his whole woe is me routine. So he started distancing himself from Han Guoyu who he bent the rules of the primary, bent over backwards, screwed everyone else in the primary over to change the rules to suit Han's needs and whims to get him to run for president so he could outmaneuver Wang Wang Jinping. Now he's trying to put some distance between him and Han, but of course Wu Duanyi was the one who got him to run. Han was resisting running for president because I think he knew he wasn't ready for it. Wu Duanyi basically did everything he could to force him into it. 
So now Udoni is trying to distance himself from him. He's also come out and said, I have to silently bear the disappointments and pressure of being the KMT chair, which in its, in its history is, how did we say, like the, the, the worst two years in the KMT's history or something like this. And he went on. Nothing to- compared to losing China. <laughs> <laughs> and it was something, I forget the exact phrasing of it. But he went on to say, you know, that how misunderstood he was. He, he felt that he was getting no joy from this job. He feels that, you know, the, the, the fate of the ROC is, is, you know, in peril and the, the DPP has been abusing its power to destroy them, basically read between the lines. And he said, you know, people just don't understand. And they're blaming me for things like the party list. Oh, jeez. <laughs> what did he also say? Well, uh, the chairman of the party has traditionally been the presidential candidate. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. And that's why he said he originally wanted to be number eight on the party list, which would have been very safe. Yeah. Then he was pushed down to number 10, and there's still outcry. That was moderately safe. And now he's at number 14. I don't think he's going to get into he's the legislature. Get in. No. So let's see. Yeah. But then Wang Jinping was talking about Wu, and what did he say? The election was odd, and the yeah. primary was odd. Yeah. And the and everything is odd, and these oddities are. What was the phrasing? Anyway, anyway, yeah. what he said was, and then the interviewer, he's giving an interview with the Liberty Times. And the Liberty Times said, "You're being so polite," and sometimes he said, "Well, sometimes politeness is the strongest criticism." <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wang's so great. Uh, yeah. Basically, he he finds ways of eviscerating puts his finger right on it he says something that sounds so mild but if you give it the slightest bit of thought he's driven a spike right through it yeah <laughs> he's so good at so it so basically no one is happy with ooh. yeah and he's doomed but oh uh, and wang jinping by the way he came out and said he was asked again if he'd campaign for Han Guoyu, and he basically said, I, I, we don't have any anything, no thinking or ideology in common. Well, remember, U, Wang, Wang Jinping is from Kaohsiung. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a powerful legislator, former speaker of the legislature, who was the unofficial head of the Taiwanese inside the KMT. Mm-hmm. And it was Wang whose factions put Han where he was, where he is or was in Kaohsiung. Yeah. Well, one of the factors, anyway. Here was something really interesting he said. One thing he was he, he commented is that he said in, in an earlier article, not that one, but it is he was asked about something along the lines of why aren't you supporting your support to or Hanguoyu or any of the presidential candidates? Why haven't you endorsed any of them? And he he basically said something along the lines of, "I haven't stopped my supporters from supporting him. <laughs> I, I don't see what else I need to do for him." <laughs> It was like he was basically saying, so I let my followers support him. So you'd better thank me because <laughs> this could have been a lot worse for you, pal. <laughs> that was essentially the message. Yeah. Well, another great thing this week was the fantastic article in The Australian mm-hmm. by Natasha Kassam yeah. and, and Richard McGregor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you can find it. The Australian. The Australian, yes. Mm-hmm. What was the title? Something about Taiwan, next Hong Kong, something like yeah, that. Ta- I, yeah, I didn't actually like Taiwan the Taiwan, the next Hong Kong? I didn't like that either. But yeah, I didn't like I doubt they picked it. No, usually that's the editor. Yeah. That. But the article was, was really good. Yeah, um, unusually well-informed and yeah. 
and almost free of the usual errors that one. It was sees. free of the all the usual errors. That was <laughs> that was nice. Got got a few things right that very few people get. Big news out of Hong Kong too. Yeah, the uh, the the pro democracy side killed it in the elections. Mm-hmm. But remember, those are for districts, and those are first past the post. Mm-hmm. Someone explained this on Twitter, and the legislative round is proportional, so you won't see a repeat of this huge sweep. No, yeah. The Legislative Council, LegCo, is really the top, the legislature. Right. And that is elected through a variety of constituencies, some of which are quite small. In other words, they're like certain professions, like people in this profession. So essentially, they're easily manipulated by or bought out by Beijing, a lot of these individual constituencies. Then they have some broader, they have some that are are elected through a much broader larger segment of the population, which is harder for them to control. But all intents and purposes is that uh, the way it's structured is that Beijing pretty much is almost guaranteed a majority in the legislature. However, this election that just happened, now it's, they don't have much power and it's this, it's the district level, but um, the equivalent of a local elections for your small area. But it was symbolically huge because it was open to the public. Yeah. It was a universal vote, high voter turnout, majority came out for the pro-democracy. It's already resonated here. Tsai Ing-wen was, you know, congratulating the people of Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And even the KMT came out with a statement. The English statement omitted the – in Chinese, there's a statement and they're attacking the DPP on the 1992 consensus apparently, Mm -hmm. which is omitted in their English text of their congratulations to Hong Kong. But I think it's important that the KMT has to publicly congratulate the pro-democracy side. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of uh, – people are way, way overestimating the effect of Hong Kong on Taiwan. Lev Nachman has a really nice piece mm-hmm. in uh, – what was that? Taiwan Insight last week on that? Yeah. And uh, we've all been saying – we've been saying it on the show. And mm-hmm. also, don't don't overestimate that. It's not that big. The problems of the KMT are due to their domestic issues, mm-hmm. particularly the fact that Han Guoyu of the KMT is not a good candidate. Yeah, I think to, sh- to add a little bit to that – is I don't think it's it's not that it's not important. It's that it's not the prime determinant. In right. other words, as Lev's article showed, Tsai's popularity, her approval, and Han's drop, uh, there there's no strong correlation between what's going on in Hong Kong. In other words, Han is largely doing it to himself. Yeah. Um, however, yeah. I do think that it is relevant in what in in the sense that I think it's helping tying one and it's also helping with the legislative elections in the sense that it's not changing the debate itself. When you run national elections, not local ones here, but national ones particularly for the, the president, there's what Nathan Battle calls the China cleavage, which I like that term just because it has cleavage in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, anyway, but basically it's that pro-Taiwan or the Chinese identity or pro-China or pro-better relations with China versus more localization, et cetera. Anyway, that main debate is, is not changed in the sense that it's that's a main fundamental element of the presidential election. I think what Hong Kong has done is it's sharpened the debate. In other words, it's made it more easy for those who prefer localization to keep Taiwan sovereignty to keep Taiwan independent of China and not move closer to China is it's much easier for them to say, look, we told you so. Yeah. And I think that it helps sharpen their argument. 
I don't think that it's changed the nature of the argument. No, no. It's sharpened it, though. Yeah. For one side. Sure. So, don't have a whole lot more. Okay. I did want to. I did want to mention that there's some there's some propaganda running out running around about the Hong Kong elections that Taiwan is orchestrating a lot of that. <laughs> that's really not aimed at. No. That's really not aimed at Hong Kong or Taiwan or yeah. at the international media. That's no. Beijing propaganda aimed at its domestic audiences. Yeah, they've also been uh, touting that the CIA is behind it, that the Americans are behind it, the British are behind it, the West in general is behind it, and Tsai Ing-wen personally is behind it. Yes, she takes time out from her busy schedule to oversee yeah, intervention yeah, I mean, in they, Hong Kong. They smuggle her in, she puts on the mask, <laughs> you know. Yeah, she was there storming the Ledgeco, you know, yeah. Oh, my. But that's for yeah, that's for Chinese domestic audiences because they really want to distract from the whole idea that people in Hong Kong genuinely oppose the Chinese Communist Party government in Beijing. Right. So they're trying to make it like it's a cobble of a bunch of hardcore radical independent supporters, which is not true. Most of them in Hong Kong, they just want autonomy. Yeah. They just want democracy and autonomy. They don't want to be independent. Some do, but. The majority don't. It's that cobble and then mixed in with the foreigners and the CIA. Sure. And one, you know. sure. Well, the thing and one of the things that's been sort of tracking the Hong Kong effect is the growing economic confidence. Mm-hmm. The economy's you know, salaries have creeped up a little. A little, yeah. And Cathay Financial came out today saying that consumer confidence is going up. Mm-hmm. People expect the economy to do well, mm-hmm. and that will be that that will be reflected in voting for Tsai Ing-wen. There's fundamentals are also lining up in Tsai's favor right now. We could get a recession, but it won't happen now. Probably until after Christmas. No, too yeah. late to affect the the. Uh, we could get a recession in the U.S., but it won't happen for a while. Now, something that the KMT has brought up is that they said that there's. You know, all these companies now 70 something and seven or 800 billion NT, I believe, have been pledged in. And unfortunately, the way they phrase it is, is to come back to Taiwan. And this is where this kind of come back to haunt the DPP because the KMT has pointed out that there's no money being being brought in from China. Nothing. Nada. And the reason for that is that Money leaving China gets taxed, and then when it comes into Taiwan, it gets taxed again. So there's double taxation. Now, what, but the thing is, is that that was really kind of the KMT, sorry, the DPP kind of phrased it wrong. Because really what's happening is, is that most of those, uh, you know, these kind of MOU deals, you know, it's never 100%. But a good chunk of that money will come in and is coming in. However, it's not necessarily coming directly from China. In other words, these companies are bringing it from other places overseas to it for taxation reasons, or they already have the money in Taiwan and are investing it. Right. So essentially, this is money that's been pledged to expand their manufacturing and business base here in Taiwan rather than in China or in other locations. In Yay. some cases, Yay. what it may mean is that maybe physically the money isn't coming directly from China. It's coming either from their local profits or from other overseas sources for taxation reasons. But they're not putting it into other markets or bringing that investment back here to Taiwan. They're bringing those jobs back here to Taiwan. They're bringing that production back here to Taiwan. 
and they may be bringing back people who are employed overseas back from Taiwan, whether they physically bring the money from China because it is, it's hard to get money out of China. Yeah. Whether it comes directly in that route or not, it may not. But the, the, the fact of the matter is that they're directing investment here from whatever financial sources they choose to use. All that's, right. That's the fundamental thing. There. And as long as that money is coming in, the factories are coming in, uh, so on and so on. Yeah. The economy isn't going to tank for the next, well, we only have six weeks, seven weeks now. Yeah. Yeah. All right, folks. I think we're done. I, for one, am at the tail end of an eight-hour teaching day, eight straight hours, and I'm a wreck. I have to check my ID to make sure I remember my name. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, this is Michael Turton. (laughs) Thank you, because I forgot. (laughs) All right, guys. You be well. Take care.